the time will come when, with elation, you will greet yourself, arriving at your own door, in your own mirror, and each will smile at the other's welcome and say, sit here, eat. You will love again the stranger who was yourself. Give wine, give bread, give back your heart to itself, to the stranger who has loved you all your life, whom you ignored for another, who knows you by heart. Take down the love letters from the bookshelf, the photographs, the desperate notes. Peel your own image from the mirror. Sit. Feast on your life. That beautiful poem was written by Derek Walcott. It's called Love After Love. I thought about it after my conversation with today's guest, Debbie Freeman. As you listen to her experience, you may very well relate to it. Yours may be very different in the details, but a lot of us can relate to being in a relationship where we sort of lose ourself. We may forget who we are, we may change who we are, whatever it is, we end up not recognizing who we've become. And often it seems to be because we have this misunderstanding of what love is, that it requires that we give, that we're self-sacrificing and we're generous, and of course, that's true. But at some point, for some people, that giving and self-sacrificing and generosity becomes their entire input in the relationship. They only give. They never take. They only sacrifice. They never accept. They are only generous. And this all leaves them empty and unrecognizable to themselves and to their friends. So as you listen to my conversation with Debbie, if you don't relate to it personally, maybe think of a friend or somebody that you care about who you know has been in similar positions, though very likely different relationships. I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. Well, Debbie, thank you for taking your time and really doing this kind of last minute. We were just going to meet and decide if we were going to work together, but in talking to you, I would love to do it right away. Could you please introduce yourself and then tell me a little bit, first of all, about what you do and why you love doing it. And then we're going to get into your story. Absolutely, Lisa. Thank you so much, first of all, for having me here today. You're Um, welcome. I read about your podcast and I've listened to an episode and I am just, I can't wait to hear more of them. Um, Just your voice is so pleasing to listen to. (laughs) Your personality is just, it's just so personable. I love it. That's very sweet. I knew we were going to connect right away. Um, So what I do is I am a, basically a pageant consultant, but I'm also a health and life um, certified coach as well. So I've taken what I do from my past experience, which was a performer, a model. I even cut hair and I was a magic assistant, but we won't discuss those. Okay. (laughs) I make no promises. I don't know. We may circle back. Oh my goodness. Okay. But um, yes. So right now I have my own podcast, which is uh, your unique sparkle. And my message out to the world is 
I just want to inspire other women that are, have gone through what I've gone through. And I was going to share a little bit of that with you today, just to help some of maybe your listeners um, from what I've done. And I'm, I'm a former dance captain of the Radio City Music Hall Rockettes. I did that for 10 years. I love doing that. Kind of lived like the rock style lifestyle when I was younger, so to speak. Um, growing up, you know, I was always told I would never, um, Debbie, why do you want to be a dancer? And, and you'll never make it. There's too many girls that want to do that, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, I'm going to do it. And I just have this, when I get a vision and a goal, I go for it. And so I ended up going and I auditioned, I ended up making it. So I've always, I've always done what I've wanted to do. And huh. well, I'm going to stop you here and, and tell you, I'm going to be totally honest. And you and I talked about this. So when I first saw your profile and I read all of your accomplishments, I immediately thought, I have no idea what to talk to this woman about. <laughs> like, like I am totally an other from her world. But then like I said earlier, I realized, oh, that's just my own weird thinking. She's a person. And then I continued on, not just what you did, but who you are and your accomplishments, despite the trials that you face, which were uniquely yours. And that's why I wanted to share your story. So forgive me for interrupting, but I had to admit that I had to confess that I did this weird sort of prejudice where I was like, I, I can't talk to her <laughs> and you're perfectly lovely. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. But you know, we, you know, we all have our things that we want to do. And I right. guess my whole life, I always was like, you know, I wanted to do what I wanted to do. And then, you know, you get to a certain age, it's like, well, gosh, you know, if I'm going to have kids, I need to do the now, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's true. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. So um, I, I made a bad choice, unfortunately, um, and who I chose. I was, I believe I settled. I thought he was the right person. I really, you know, thought I was in love with this person. Um, I went through a lot of struggles in our marriage at first, you know, where I thought he was lying to me, caught him in some lies where he didn't come home at night and would ask him where he was, then, you know, when he came home and, you know, you're calling him up all night long and you're like wondering, you're worried at first. And then it goes into hate because now the, you know, the, the things that you're conjuring up in your mind of where he is and, and what's going on, you go through all these emotions, right? So the story he gives me the next day, when I do finally get to him, um, he tells me he was in jail. I have him take me to the jail. It finally, I persist. We go to the jail. It's closed. Where do you live that the jail is closed? Does, like, does it have hours? <laughs> I don't know. So then mm -hmm. I, I, it didn't make sense to me. So then he tells me a lie to cover the lie. Yes. And I didn't know that that was a lie. Okay. But I'm going to come back around to that. Okay. Okay. So then another night he goes out and um, I'm pregnant now. And he goes out and he doesn't come home all night. And he ends up staying out and I find him in the hospital. And the next day I find him there. Basically where I, he tells me that he was this night was um, not a good place. 
Okay. Is, is all I'm going to tell you. But, okay. but he told me before anybody else would tell me because he didn't want me to find out from the wrong person. That should have made me go. Um, but it didn't because I was pregnant. So I wanted to believe. It, it's like we should lish, listen to your conscience. You know, how many times do people say, you know, you know what's going on. You know in your heart but we don't listen to the messages that you know are we're telling ourselves because we're afraid, we're scared, right? You know, um, and whatever other voices have been training us from childhood on, like, like this is normal or this is what you deserve or whatever it might be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so you know, here I have these two beautiful kids. Well, so. During this divorce, I mean, during this marriage, okay, we're not at the divorce yet, Mm -hmm. but during this marriage, you know, like I would say, are you coming to bed? And he would say, "Um, yeah, I'm coming. He would never come to bed. He slept on the sofa all the time. By then I'm like, okay, I take the Cheetos to bed, take the nachos, the Oreo cookies. Oh yeah, that's a good one. I love Oreo cookies, double stuff. Your little friends and packages. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, by then, you know, he doesn't want to be with me. You're thinking to yourself, well, why should I care what I look like? Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm not getting my nails done. I'm not caring what my body looks like. Right. Because he doesn't care. Who cares? Right. Oh, Debbie. Yeah. You let yourself go. My self-confidence goes. My self-worth just, you know, and I'm just putting all my focus in on my kids. You're now have resentment towards this other person. Right. And anytime, and he's not coming home, staying out late at night, you know, and you're building up and you get to a point where I don't even care what what you're doing. Just bring home the paycheck. I don't even care. You know, I, I just can't stand you. Some, I wouldn't even want you to touch me if you touched me you know, because you've got that resentment. You feel, you've made me feel so horrible. So at a point I was like, well, I, Debbie, you're not healthy. You need to do something. You've been healthy all your life. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to, once again, and please forgive me, I'm going to be interrupting you a lot because I want to act as the audience who might have questions. Okay. Let me be their voice. Okay. So you're feeling this rightly. And then you decided you're not healthy. What happened to bridge that gap? How did you go from sort of being probably eating in sort of a numb state and to continue to numb yourself to the the realization that something has to change? Yeah. It's like an emotional eating is what you're doing to to numb the pain. And you get to a point where it's like, wow, I, I, I can't get any bigger. I mean, I probably can, but I mean, like I'm getting tired of buying these clothes because this is not the way I want to go. Right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And then, um, I was doing, um, at a YouTube channel called creative princess, um, 2012 had over a hundred thousand subscribers. I did, um, YouTube videos with kids where I taught them acting, they'd come to the house and I would teach them and I would do, I would write the scripts and I would do, teach the acting and I would do this in my house. 
And so I put all of my focus there and I just was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I would see myself on camera. Mm. I would, I would film myself and I was like, this is not good. I see. Okay. And I would think to myself, you know, Debbie, you have to have something on the side because this marriage isn't going to last. Okay. And it's like, you know, it in the back of your mind, you knew, I knew my intuition was talking to me through all these years. So someone who is going to relate to listen to this, someone may hear this and relate to it and think, yes, that's right. I remember feeling that way. However, when I had that realization, I went back to whatever, the food, the alcohol, the drugs, whatever it was that was numbing me, right? Yes. So you chose not to, at some point you chose not to do that. Can you? I got to tell you, I started to exercise, started to lose weight and he still didn't notice me. Right. Because it had nothing to do with you. (laughs) I went back to eating. Oh, okay. Gaining weight again. So that was your motivation was still him, even though you had these really mixed emotions, his approval was still what you were looking for. Yeah. Okay. I was trying, I, I really was like, you know, was like, okay, well, I want to try to make my marriage work. I have two sure. kids and, you know, we would have these arguments when he wouldn't come home, you know, and he would always turn these arguments around on me that it was my fault. I did this, you did that. And you know, at a point you're just like, maybe I am this horrible person. Maybe I am so awful. Maybe, you know, it can be masterful, can't it? (laughs) Yes. 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 Like they took a course somewhere. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry you went through that. I have to say that. So what came next? We had sold our house that we had lived in for 12 years. So we had a big savings account. And we had gone to rent a home until we figured out what our next move was, until we found the next house. And during this time, he felt that it was, he didn't want to really work. Um, He wanted to just live off the savings and just um, basically drink. But privately, because every time I ever asked him if he had been drinking, he said no. He not once ever admitted he was drinking, even when he smelled and reeked of alcohol, never, ever would admit to it. Never once. And what did that do to you mentally and emotionally? Um, drove me insane. Yeah. Because you can't have a, a conversation. It's just lies, lies, lies upon lies. Right. Yes. So it makes you think like, what else is he lying about? And you're right. not knowing it's just, it's disrespectful. It's just, right. it drove me crazy. It made me insane. So now I'm eating eat. (laughs) Right. Doesn't it kind of feel like you don't know where to step? Like there's no footing. Like you don't know if this is going to be even solid ground. Is there anything? And here I am gesturing. Nobody knows, but it's like, you you don't even know if this, if there's something solid to step on. So you just sort of freeze. And I love that saying that if someone will lie about something, they will lie about anything. And then how do you know where to go from there? Yeah. It's true. And what you're saying about freezing, that's how I felt. I felt like I couldn't get on with my life. It's like I was in this place of just not being able to move anywhere. 
And it was so frustrating. It was like, I felt locked in. It was just the worst feeling in the world. So one night I came home and my son was home and he was drunk and I had an important meeting with somebody and I couldn't leave my child at home with him alone. So I said, I have to call my mother over. I'm sorry. She came over. And when I came home, she said, Debbie, he packed a bag and he left. Oh my. And I was like, okay. The next morning I woke up, he wasn't at home, never showed up. I mean, I didn't expect him in the bed. Right. I just went downstairs and he wasn't on the sofa and went to the bank account statement. The savings was gone. Oh my. Okay. You have two children to care for. I have two children oh, to gosh. care for. Okay. I immediately took him off the checking account right then and there. Right. So I could have something. It just went, wow. Who is this person that would do something like this to his wife, his two kids? This was somebody I didn't know. I had been living a lie. Can I ask you a question? Looking back at that moment when you opened up your bank account and you realized you had been robbed, essentially, right? Right. Um, could you at that point look back and say there were signs all along the way or had he genuinely changed over time or was it kind of a little bit of both? It was me not opening my eyes to the okay. signs along the way. And that's what I want other women to realize okay. is to listen to your intuition. And so many times we ignore it because we want the best. And we yeah. see potential. We see such potential. Yes. Oh my gosh. I'll <laughs> change him. No. Which, <laughs> which doesn't that just mean he could be doing better and he's not? <laughs> You know, um, yeah. So later, you know, it was funny because then that day I find him on, um, he left his email open. I had never searched any of his stuff. He has all these emails to girls that he's meeting. Was he believable or did you just want to believe it? I just wanted to believe. Okay. You know, it's kind of like you hear the person saying, I walked in on, on them, you know, a guy, you know, him and her together. And he says, that wasn't me. And you want to not believe it. <laughs> oh man, that was close. I really oh, thought that was you for a minute. <laughs> I'm glad I was wrong there. <laughs> it's so true. Isn't it? It's so true. Cause we really, we don't want to believe it. So we could suppress anything. We really don't want to believe and so I'm seeing the, these emails and I'm looking at this and I'm just like, wow, my eyes are just opening up to this. What I knew in the back of my head had been going on was reality, right? So, so were you surprised at all? Were you surprised that you had tolerated it? And let me rephrase that. Um, did you ever, were you the type of person before you endured this who thought and felt like I would never put up with this. I would never put up with this. Is that how you felt? And then you found yourself in this position that was impossible. Yeah. Okay. And the reason yeah. I ask is that I think that there are a lot of people who might listen to this 
and relate to that. Like they would, they'll be listening to you and think, I would never put up with this. While at the same time, having some weird, funky thoughts about what might be going on in their own life. Exactly. Okay. It's so true. By when, by Thursday that week, he didn't come home. I didn't know where he was. Um, Thursday. Uh, oh, I, by Wednesday, I found out he was in jail. Was it open? <laughs> this one, t- it was. That one was open. Okay. He had totaled the vehicle. Oh. He totaled his car. Oh. He was put in jail. He didn't even know he had totaled his car. He was that drunk. Was he okay though, physically? I mean, he didn't yes, get hurt. But, okay. Okay. By Thursday, I guess he had gotten out. He was asking for an advance on his credit card. By noon that day, the credit card had denied any more credit because he had already t- used it all. Okay. So he comes home Saturday. He comes home. I had locks changed on the house. Mm-hmm. But for one door, I had forgotten about the side door that went into the office. He comes through that door and I'm shocked. Why are these doors changed? Why are they locked? He starts yelling at me. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but you're not allowed to be here. I tell him I have a restraining order against you. Meanwhile, to let you know, the whole week, my kids and I have been sleeping together with a chair up against the door because I'm not sure you hear these crazy stories about men taking the lives of their wives. And you, right. I didn't know who I was married to. I, exactly. I, He's already I, done something unspeakable. So. Exactly. I didn't know who this person was. Right. I was scared for my life. I said, I have a restraining out order out for you. I've already started divorce papers. You cannot be here. I'm sorry. You will need to leave. Um, he then, what? When did you have time to do this? I had all week. <laughs> you know? Um, he then says, starts to talk to me and says, can I live in the um, spare bedroom? I'll, I'll, I'll give the money back. I'm like, sorry. No, you can't. I was tired. I was no done, done. And I'm not going to live like this anymore. I had lived in this moment of this frozen state for so long, being scared. My eyes had been opened up to the real reality of what was going on. It was time for me to make a stand for me and my my children to make our lives better. Was that an empowering moment? While no doubt being unsettling and a little terrifying, did you also feel like, yes, I can see clearly, I have no doubts anymore? Absolutely. All right. So you have this moment of clarity and empowerment, and he's standing there, and you finally feel like you have some control because you can say, no, you cannot stay here. Exactly. And he's like, well, I don't have any money. And I said, well, where's the money? Well, they, they have to keep the cashier's check for however many weeks or whatever. And, and I'm like, well, I'm sorry, but you can't stay here. Sorry. I have nowhere to go. Not my problem. Did you really feel like that too? Or do, did, did a part of you feel like, well, I really don't want him sleeping out in the street. Or were you just done? I was done. You were done. Good. Good and job. I said to myself, Debbie, do not, do not. Because once he gets in here, no. And, and I said, there was a part of me that was like, you have to be strong for your kids now. What uh-huh. is this going to do to your kids? And your mommy instinct kicks in. And it's like, I'm protector. 
these kids got me. I will stand and I will be brave. <sighs> Getting all well, because I can remember that moment. He finally gets a ride after I don't know how long. <laughs> Later on, he gets into rehab. Days have gone by and um, I start thinking, you know, Debbie, you had made this, this commitment to him for better, for worse, richer, poor, sickness and in health. And me being, you know, religious, you know, I'm a follower of Christ, in Christ. What would Christ have you do? So I go to rehab. He says he's at rehab because he wanted to be. Meanwhile, he doesn't know that I've looked on the thing. The court has issued him. He has to be there. Of course. I guess now he's decided that he likes it there. He likes his free life. He likes the girls there. You know? In rehab. Uh, oh, yeah, because it's, a, it's kind of, you know, they just go to classes all day long and they don't have to make a living. You know, you're just eating food and living and taking classes. Um, and uh, forgive me for anybody that's gone through this and you're trying to recover. I mean, I believe that you, it's wonderful. It's, yeah. It's, but you get from it, what you put into it too. Absolutely. Right. Uh, anything is. So trust me, I, I get it. I'm not talking bad about it at all. Thank it's goodness. Okay. People are blessed to have that. You know, uh, I went there and I was going to tell him, you know, whatever we need to work through, let me see where he's at. Let's, let's see, God, I'm going to go do my part. Okay. So I walk in, he's mad that I show up there. First of all. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Didn't want anybody to see me that I existed or, you know, whatever. And I said, um, I said to him, I said, well, how many times have you lied and cheated to me on me? Hmm. Yeah. And he looks me in the face and he says, you know, Debbie, I've lied and cheated on you so many times that it doesn't matter. Right then and there, it, it does matter. You know, it's like, you're going to go through your 12 steps. You're going to wait till the 12th step to come and tell me because you want forgiveness, you know, and it's right for you at your timing when I need this now so that I can feel what I need to feel. You know what I mean? I do. And I just went, you have no respect for me. There's no respect on my feelings and what I feel at all. I just felt that was very selfish, you know? And then I said, do you love me? And he says, I love our kids. And at that moment, I just looked at him and let him to continue to talk. And I said, my good farewells. And I left, wish you all the best. The weight was lifted and it was Debbie. You can go and be you, you're free. And it was the best feeling in the world as I smiled and put my key in the car and I can feel it right now. That's what I wanna share with women is Do your best. Be strong for you. You will know. Listen to your intuition. I went. I left. I started exercising. Eating well. 
I was like, I'm going to show my kids, be the example for them. I have to be strong for them. I have to be, I have to show them what it's like to set a goal, to go for it, to be strong, and to make it in this world and what you need to do. So from the time you felt this weight lifted from you. Yeah. How long until you started feeling physically better? Slowly, gradually. You can't do things too fast, you know, um, but I was determined. There is that why factor you, you all always have to have. What is your why? And I think my why right there was so strong that my motivation was there. Nothing was going to deter me from getting off my track. At that point, I had lost a lot of weight. I was starting to look good again and feeling better. You know, I'd gotten so heavy that my knees hurt just walking up steps. I, I didn't know this person, something, somebody ate me. It's like, you know, I was this other person and I had used to choreograph for the uh, Miss Nevada for America pageants, collegiate teen Nevada. Um, being in a pageant's not about the crown. It's about what you can do in the crown. What kind of statement you can make in the crown that it's having a voice and being able to be that voice and inspire others and get your message out to the world. That's what I knew and what I teach. That's what I do. And I went, I never thought about actually being in a pageant myself because I did them all when I was younger. Why couldn't I do it as an older woman? This would be a great way to show my kids I have a goal and working towards it and actually, you know, achieving it. I entered her pageant. I became, um, I was first runner up to a 22 year old. I was 49 years old. Well done. Thank you. Well done. I was very impressed with myself. You know, standing next to a 22 year old and be able to hold my own. And and I was very proud of myself. You know, it wasn't about, you know, winning to me is the fact that I got up there and I did that. Absolutely. The journey. I had done this pageant and another pageant system opened up and said, Debbie, we would love for you to have come and join our pageant. We have of a, a 40 and up. I ended up winning United States of America, Miss Nevada, 2021. Congratulations. Thank you so much. And that was just what a blessing and what a great thing, you know, to have my kids out in the audience, Mm -hmm. watching me up on that stage, you know, because they had never seen me perform as a professional, you know? Well, plus they had seen the negative. They had been witness to all of the negative So to see their mom, as you've mentioned repeatedly, have goals, work toward and reach their goal, your goal is an exceptional life lesson. Yes. Certainly. Yeah. Absolutely. I I do have two questions based on what you've told me so far. You rightly have mentioned that one of your strongest motivators was your children. 
you wanted them to learn these things and no doubt wanted them to be out of a, an unhealthy environment. What would you say to women though, who don't have that as a motivator, who don't have children and are still in an unhealthy, unhappy relationship? How can they find their motivation? Their motivation should be themselves. There you go. So many people tell you, you have to love yourself before anybody else will. And it's so true. Mm. My kids watch me get my nails done every other week. Mm. (laughs) They watch me get my hair done. I take pride in how I look. And do you know, I love feeling good about myself. Um, It's so, it's so important. And it's such a fine line. It's this balancing act. I work with women primarily as a portrait photographer and the idea for them to take the time and allow themselves to feel beautiful and have that reflected back to them is not just foreign. It, You can see in their eyes, they feel like it is wrong, but it's self-indulgent. And who do you think you are? And looks are not that important. And it's who you are on the inside, which is all true. But but it it does not mean beauty is not everything. And it's not nothing. Feeling good about how you feel and how you look is good. It is good. And that is its own lesson if you have children. Because if the child is learning that all, all the mom does is give to her own detriment, then when they become a, a mom, what have they learned? Except now it's my turn to just give to my own detriment. And the cycle continues. And that is the message right there, Lisa. You've said it beautifully. Absolutely. I love that. What about support? having experienced all of this and being on the other side of it, whether you had support or not, what kind of suggestion would you give to someone again, who's listening to whom this really resonates? And maybe it's their secret prison. You know, they don't want to talk about it because of the shame and embarrassment and, you know, they're going through all of this. So they just feel alone. You know, and I will tell you this, Lisa, I felt that myself. Um, I had thought that it was funny because when I started going through the divorce and I started opening up to people about what I was going through and being real, people actually opened up to me and said, you know what? I went through a similar situation. People I had never thought had gone through such things opened up and just, we had a connection and you wouldn't believe how many people out there have gone through the same thing and are embarrassed to talk about it. It's okay to learn from our mistakes. It's okay. You know, we're not all perfect and we don't have to be perfect. And it's understanding that about yourself. That's beautiful. Do you try to help women through their own issues? In life coaching, yes. Is that what you, okay. That's what we do. We talk about emotional eating because that's, I'm really big on that because I know exactly what that's like. Yes. I am really curious about the, your answer to this question. Anyone who's listened to the podcast knows that as a photographer, most people, when I say, how do you want to be seen? They're thinking, well, you know, like pretty, I, I need to look this way. 
but I really want to know, what do you want people to know about you? So I want to ask you that question. How would you answer it? How do you want to be seen? I want to be seen, Lisa, as a woman of strength, power, empowering other women, inspiring other women. We are all beautiful and have something special and unique about each other that shines and sparkles. And that's what I love. That was a lot, wasn't it? I'll be honest, when I first read Debbie's bio, I immediately felt like, well, I have really nothing to relate to with this woman. It seemed she had what some might call a charmed life, the perfect life. But of course it wasn't perfect. And that itself was, to me, worth sharing. Because we never know what other people are going through. The person next to you, you may look at them and admire or even envy what it seems they have, who it seems they are. But let's be compassionate. I want to put a call out and ask you, if you have a story or if you know someone who has a story that can encourage and support others, please reach out to me. Until then, I will ask you to Please be safe. As of today in New Hampshire, COVID seems to be running amok. The news is full of shootings. There's just a lot that can distract us and detract from our peace. So I will ask you to be safe and be kind. And always thank you for listening.